But anyway, Julian Anderson, blonde Julian Anderson. It's weird. It's not weird. Red hair. Totally not weird. Red hair. Trust me, it's not weird. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> I didn't make that much progress in the Rubik's Cube anyway, so it's fine. You were pretty close. You had like a corner of two sides. Yeah, that's sides not that close, Greg. That's what I'm saying. Is that how it works? It's... It looks like it's very close, but that last row, that bottom row, uh, takes a lot of finagling. Good so what you're saying it. is that this is a parable for web development. Pretty much, yeah. This thing right here is Angular. I, I see how that could be a joke, but you're going to have to explain that to me. Was <laughs> this know. like the, the turns and the stuff for like the factories and the directives or whatnot? They still which, have which, Well, which Angular? Oh, this is the thing. Angular 1, Angular 2, Angular 4 slash 5. I don't know. Angular 18. I only used Angular 1.4 once. I just remember that the switch from 1 to 2 was like a big deal and people really hated 2. People who really liked 1 really hated 2. And then the whole switch to four slash five was very like, uh, oh my gosh, we have to catch up to React. Let's just TypeScript all the things. Just adding TypeScript doesn't mean you're going to catch up to React. Well, I think they figured that out the hard way. Hmm. Angular is still very popular, though. We don't we don't really talk about it that much, but it's still okay. I actually like Angular, except for the directives. That's better with React, but yeah, that's true. I like everything else. Everything else is really clean. The two-way, I mean... Two-way data binding is kind of pointless when you have reactive programming. It's kind of pointless, but they are kind of the godfathers of two-way data binding, right? They gave it to us in the markup to where we can actually access now, it. Now, what was that other one that was out during the time the Backbone was out? Ember? Yes, that one created two-way data binding. Did it? I've never I worked it was in before. Ember. I don't know. Angular was my first exposure to two-way data binding. The fact that it was in the markup, though kind of annoyed me a little bit because you've got things like yeah, I didn't, on I click didn't and like stuff like that. No, I didn't care for that. Um, but the thing is, you've got that in React now too, though. Well, you have JSX. more in Vue. You have more in Vue. Vue is more like Angular by design. Yeah. Vue is kind of in between, right? And yeah. React is like kind of on one end of the spectrum of this is how you do things. Well, Vue is nice because you could do both. You can do both. You can do JSX with Vue. Can you? I don't think I actually wrote JSX when we did view. You can. Maybe you, I did. You can use, there's like a special function that's kind of like react.render or whatever. Mm, but you okay. have to like manually tie it in. As far as I remember, I don't know. I haven't done it since view one. Since we did it. View one point something. Wasn't that two? Was That wasn't two? Because you're on three now, right? It was right when two was beta. Mm. And we're like, this we is not stable it. enough. It wasn't stable enough for our high brow, high volume Our very, applications. Uh, yeah, very, 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 very important coffee app. And what was it that we used it for? No, it wasn't the coffee app. It was for uh, it was for the North American site for a startup that we worked on. Mm, I didn't work on that project. You did work on that project. Which? Wow, well, you tell me later. I don't remember that project. You did work on that project. You that was a project where you had to um, you had to kind of broker some disagreements between your lead developers. Oh, that project. Yes, that project. Where I yelled at you. Yeah, you yelled at me a lot on that. <laughs> I was exhausted. We were all exhausted. You were arguing with me for stupid reasons. That was all, that was all, yeah, I was arguing with you for dumb reasons. I was very... Uh, Great. I was sticking to my guns on that one. <clears throat> Did it work out? I think it worked out okay. Website looks really nice. 
I really am not solving your Rubik's Cube. That's fine. <laughs> Sometimes I just, uh, it feels good to just turn it, kind of fidget with it. Do you have fidget, fidget spinners? I do not have fidget spinners, no. Hmm. Sounds like maybe you should get one. Uh, I have, I do have, uh, and you make fun of me for this, I do have pocket knives, which like flipping pocket knives open and closing them and flipping them and stuff like that is kind of fun. I'm just like imagining you like knife, knife flipping. Yeah, you're not, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that in public. Like, I'm not. <laughs> no, do you like throw it up and try to no, catch no, no, it? No, 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 no. Like just like flipping it open. Right, there's something very satisfying. Do you ever cut like, yourself? Which, no, you, they're designed to open. Like they have, I'm going to go get one. Hold on. No, you're going to kill us. We're all going to die. We're not all going to die. I think we are. Can you flick it in the direction that's away from me? See, so these po- this pocket knife, uh, this is one I got off Mastrop recently, has a tab on the back. On the back. Mm-hmm. You see this thing? Yeah. And it's designed specifically so when you flick it, it, it pops that out. Way. Whoa, that is too extreme. Make, it, make the sound closer to the screen. That's just... So, like, there's a very satisfying, like, I'm just click. thinking of West Side Story right now. <laughs> Da-dum-dum. I, I don't even know the song, but That's I know exactly the scene, the, the scene that you're talking about. Where yeah. They do like the high step. They do the like, high step and they, they walk like around the with a knife. Off. Yeah. Oh, do they have a knife in that scene? I think one of them has a knife. He's like, he starts with him standing against the wall, like flicking it. I thought there wasn't any actual violence in that movie. Like someone dies in that movie. Have you ever seen that movie? The it's whole point of that it's movie is like time. reverse Romeo and Juliet. It's been a really long time. I just remember the dance off scenes. Those are the fun parts. And they were like fighting. Fighting parts is like when the, the one guy gets stabbed in the middle of it. That's the whole... That's like the crux, like the, what's the, what's the character from Romeo and Juliet, Mercutio or whatever, kills the other guy? I don't know. I what mean, are you, Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, there's like the buddy of Romeo. Oh, and he's got to go run. Or the buddy of Juliet, the mon, the whatever. The, the only way play. that I understand Romeo and Juliet is via the Leonardo DiCaprio version of it. That's yeah, one the of only a, one that registers in my brain. One of our friends has Leonardo DiCaprio around that time. Like him, him just in life around that time as a painting, like a photo in her house, hanging above her sofa. Just, just him. There's nothing else on the wall. It's just Leonardo DiCaprio. Is it like, a picture of him from that movie? Because he no, was... it wasn't from the movie, but it was that time. Oh, like the the Titanic. That was like a pretty. Time. Yeah, he was a pretty like kind of stylized character back then. He had like the wispy hair. Yeah. Very nineties. Yeah, he's very kind of representative of the nineties aesthetic. Both in looks and acting and movies and culture. And I think he's like a really good actor. I like him a pretty lot good. in uh, Blood Diamond. It's one of my favorite movies. I think he was okay in Blood Diamond. He's pretty good in Blood Diamond. I think the standard for a good actor is if you could replace this actor with somebody else and that movie is still good, then it's not really the actor. I think you can do that with a lot of movies, though. You could replace him with somebody else in Blood that, Diamond. That's the thing. Because his accent wasn't perfect. His accent was atrocious. Well, I think that he's been very lucky in his career that he's been able to work on some very, very big time... Well, his buddies, like, what's his face? The Scorsese. Scorsese. So he's yeah. worked on a lot of Scorsese stuff. Yeah, so he's been. So I mean, he's he a was... good actor. Like, I'm sure if you, if I was a director and I employed him, the, the common knowledge is that he's like a really easy person to work with and he's good. Like, he's not like a, he's not like a actor who like hides in his like star wagon and yells at you. He, like, oh, works. and it's like mean to the yeah, crew he, like, and like kind of a diva. Yeah, he's like a, does his job. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I could be making this up. But well, I mean. That's what I thought. The one example that stands out to me is in The Departed, his character in The Departed. Yeah. He, you could replace him with any number of 
Leonardo DiCaprio in The Departed, you could literally replace him with, I would say, like four or five different actors and it would still be a great movie. So I don't think that that's a great example. Even How, many, how many actors in The Departed could you replace with other actors and be fine? There's like so many people that could play Well, that. Matt Damon's character was really good. I don't think you could replace Matt Damon in that movie. I don't think I've ever seen The Departed. Or I have, but I maybe I don't, I don't remember it. I, I probably. You, you cannot replace Matt Damon. You cannot replace uh, Vera Farmiga in that movie. That was kind of her coming out party. Who? She was the psychiatrist. I don't remember the movie, but you, sure. you, you, you know who she is. You'd remember her. She's fantastic. All right. Do you think by the time this episode's done, I'll solve this Ruby's Cube? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. If you don't know the actual moves, then it's actually very hard. You can't just like logic your way through it. So I'm saying, I think you understand more about Paul culture than you let on. I think it's very easy for developers to be like, oh, I don't really know anything about like memes and stuff. I, you know, that actually is a thing because I don't ever go on the internet unless it's like, except you're when you're working, except, except for, for when I'm working, hours but, of when you're working. Yeah. But that you're like on a website that's on your local host and you're not actually really on the internet. Yeah. But I mean, memes define so much of how we communicate in, in 2019. I mean, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't have time for that. It's the, well time for memes. You don't have time for communication with people? Definitely not, no. Right? Like, if you, say, happen to work with, like, very young developers, like 22, 23, 24-year-old I mean, I do have that at work, yes. Right? And you were trying to communicate with them about... I would just use words. Your feelings. But, like, to emphasize, the memes are not about the actual meme itself. It's about emphasizing the feelings because they relate to people in different ways, but they communicate... Uh, a clear instance of a specific Sounds feeling. like a doctoral thesis. Have you worked on I it? I mean, a little bit. How are you supposed to solve this thing? There's huh? a pattern, Greg. There's an order. Yeah, but, you know, developers don't really solve patterns. Well, yeah. I mean, somebody literally wrote the book on how to do this. So what if you went to a job interview? Did I already ask you this and they actually told you you had to solve this? And I had to solve it? Yeah, did I did I say that before we started recording? Or I think, was that a, oh, I mean, we said that earlier, but... Oh, on the pod? Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. Well, if somebody... All right, so let's let's take this for real. So if somebody in a job interview actually asked me to solve this, like... Yeah, they were like, solve, solve this Ruby's Cube or I would you can't say, all right, let me bust out my phone. Let me go to yeah. YouTube real quick. And watch a video? What let if it was like, video. oh my God, the internet's down, sorry. Oh, well, I say, all right, well, how... What, when do you need this by? How strict is your deadline? Uh, two hours from now. Two hours from now? Okay. What is the likelihood that internet will be back up? Uh, you're, you're just not going to have internet. No. Just not going to have internet at all? Okay. Well, yeah. due to unforeseen circumstances and act of God, it doesn't seem like we'll be able to meet your deadline today. So what I would recommend is find a way to push our deadline to acquire enough time and resources for us to complete the task at hand. I have another dev down the street who knows how to solve this. Well... That's another route too. That's like a very antagonistic way of solving that problem. I have another dev who could do that. Too. Yeah, that's super. That's super antagonistic. It could also be It could also be interpreted as you being resourceful. I guess it depends on who's interviewing you, right? CMO of a company. Right. This this is kind of gets into when you interview for a job at a company, you are also interviewing them as, do you want to work there? What if your answer is always no? but that you don't want to work there or to every question that they ask you. Every question they ask you, you're just disagreeable. Would that get you a job? Well, it depends on the questions, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe it's less about getting the job and determining whether or not you want to work there, right? Remember, Greg, it's not about the spoon. There is no spoon. There's no red pill or blue no. pill. It's yellow. No, what? I'm just making stuff up. I don't know. 
I have seen no zero pills, pop culture. Red pills are a little bit. So red pill is a common trope amongst um, what are known as men's rights activists. What? Who are very, um, let's say, uh, not people that you want to be around. This is a thing? I thought it was just this from the Matrix. A, no, this is a... When well, did that start? It comes from the Matrix. It, it was one of those... Um, I think they got banned by Reddit. It was one of those subreddits that got banned by Reddit. Wait, Reddit bans things? Reddit bans things, yeah. They've banned certain subreddits for being hate groups and things like that. And all evidence points to this behavior actually helping with reducing the amount of harassment and uh, threats of violence and things like that online from hate groups. So Reddit keep doing that. Hmm. But yeah, I think the red, there was one called red pill. I think did get banned. I'm not really sure. We'll have to look that up. I made a plus sign. Did I win? That's actually the start. That's actually the beginning. You're supposed to make a plus sign like that. Really? Yeah. What's the next step? Either. I don't know them, Greg. I don't, the internet's down. I can't go on YouTube and look, watch the video. Hey Google, how do I solve a Rubik's cube? Your Google is British? I made her British. She said, know your cube. Wow. I wonder what would happen if I asked Siri that. Hey Siri, how do I solve a Rubik's cube? She, does she have multiple personalities? I, I made my British because I watched a TV show on Netflix. I was like, oh, that seems like a helpful uh, helpful person's voice. So I'm going to make my British. I think that... Oh, wait. Is Siri not get it? What is Siri She's doing? on, hey Siri, how do I solve a Rubik's Cube? And she's thinking. It took a while to say a Rubik's Cube. I don't think she knew how to convert Rubik's Cube to Rubik's Cube. That's weird. Are you able to to speak to your watch and do this or no? I mean, if my phone can't do it, I don't think my watch can. Well, would your, does your watch pick it up if you... My phone, it? my watch gets this internet from this thing and this thing doesn't have any internet. Well, I'm saying, is there a speaker in your watch that picks up your Siri commands? Like if you're... Oh, if no, your it phone, doesn't have the hey. It's oh, not okay. that one. It, it's not the new one. I don't, I don't spend that much money on watches. As long as it does the workout stuff, I'm good. Yeah. Anyways, what's the, what's the topic this week? This week, I think we're talking about what are we talking about? Productivity and focus? Yeah, I guess. That was what we outlined. That's what we outlined. Weeks, but before we get into that, ago, before, before we started, we, before we do that. Oh, the phone's too close to the speaker. Oh yeah, it's making noise. Before we do that, Greg, I went back and listened to last week's episode. Yeah. We said do you have so follow-up? many. We we said so many wrong things. Oh, cool. In last week's episode. Last week's episode might as well have been a Trump speech. Like it was, it was bad. No, so I'm, I don't I'm gonna. That bad. I'm gonna read these. I off. didn't breathe awkwardly into the mic. So every. <laughs> No collusion. No collusion. No collusion. I was not colluding. All right. So I'm just going to read these off. Okay. Um, Where did you get this feedback from? Did you make feedback? No, I, I was listening to it. I was like, oh my goodness, we sound, all right. we sound terrible. So, all right. Number one. Why don't we, you ask me the questions again and see if I know the answers no, now? No, no. It's not like that. Really? It's not like that. Okay. So we were talking about doing Fortran work for $2,000 an hour. So a month Oh, the math was wrong on the time. $2,000 an hour. We said it was 80K for the whole month. It's 80K a week. Oof, it might change things. So we were off by a lot. That's uh, just under a quarter million dollars for a month of work. Why change things a Did little bit. Did you actually do the math on that? We actually didn't. No, it's actually more than that. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. That's wrong too. How are you looking at a problem 80, you solved 80K, in the past was wrong? 80K times four is $320,000. Why times four? For a 
Four weeks? Four weeks. Yeah, yeah. But how'd you get the 80K for a week? $2,000 hours. 40 hours is 80K. It's 80K. And that makes sense. The zeros make sense. 80K for a week. Math. 320K for a month. $320,000 to do a Fortran web server, Greg. Would you do it? Yes or no? I just don't know if you could. I mean, you'd have to rebuild the HTTP protocol in Fortran. $320,000 yeah, for I mean, a month of work, right? Yeah, but what if you don't have that much time in a month to like do that? This is true. This is this is why I posed the question because the, the money part is the part that like you get a gauge of your motivation based on the money. So Yeah, but do you, we, again, do you actually have to solve the problem or do you just get paid either way? You have to actually solve the problem. You I either get all of it or none of it. It's better to just never start. It's my philosophy. It's like, like we have an addiction to web development. It's like, yeah, you no, just, it's like you it. just, just, just go play destiny. Just or something go, else. Just go play video games. Yeah. Play video games. That's fine. Uh, let's see. Number two. Yeah. I think we kind of cleared this up, but I wanted to make sure it was clear. So Facebook's code compiles PHP to C not the other way around. I think yeah. we cleared that up. But I just wanted to I make think sure we that did. Was yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of one of their big technological contributions to the world is that they compile down. That's why everything on Facebook with it's, bazillions of users is actually pretty fast for what it is. I'm sure that's the main reason. It's one of them. <laughs> uh, item number three, Mark Zuckerberg is chairman and CEO huh. of Facebook. We mistakenly thought that he was not chairman. I thought he got stepped down. No, he is both chairman and CEO. Can he um, be fired though? Did you look that up? Well, so the way it works is that he owns a certain class of shares that gives him a ton of voting power. So there's two classes of Facebook shares. There's class, class A and class B. I think class A is the regular one share, one vote. Yeah. Class B is one share, 10 votes. And he owns almost all the class B shares. So he, his, he essentially has uh, basically 60% of the voting power of all outstanding Facebook shares. So you can't tell him nothing. Nobody can tell him anything, no matter what. Because he's one person who- There's one person who can tell him something himself god does he believe in god i don't know i'm just kidding i want to trip you up okay we're gonna have to have more feedback for that so there's one. there's that one i put a link in last week's show notes that were that linked the article that explains that but yeah he's basically chairman and ceo for life no matter what item number four we were talking about cameras and you brought up the rumored sony a7s mark III. yeah that is rumored to be coming out sometime either this year or early next year uh, I mistakenly said that the retail on one of those would be around $2,000. I was wrong about that. $64,000. No, it'd be probably closer to $3,000. So the oh. way I came up with this is the current uh, A7S II uh, retails for about $2,400. Are you speculating based on current prices? Because didn't Apple teach you that that's not a thing you should do? Well, you know what? They came out with a case and they obviously didn't learn their lesson. So um, yeah. So the new one will probably, based on how much they're camera bodies go up year to year. It should be around 2500 maybe 2600 Unless they pull end. an NVIDIA or an Apple and just raise the price a lot. Yeah, but cameras are, camera bodies, and we'll probably do a whole episode on this, but camera bodies and cameras, large cameras, are commoditized enough to where you can't really push the prices like that even if your stuff is good. So you have to find ways of pushing the technology but still meeting certain price points. So hmm. that's item number four. And then item number five... I mistakenly said that Fujifilm does not make a flash for their mirrorless cameras. Uh, they do. They make a whole line of flashes. They have a very high-end one that retails about $350, and they have a couple of smaller ones as well. So if huh. you're a Fuji shooter, check those out as well. 
Uh, the one I got for Christmas, the all new one, is still really good, so you can check that out also. But uh, did yeah. you buy four more so you could do a whole light setup? No, yet? Greg, I'm not even quite <sighs> there yet. You're just such a amateur. I mean, you're a filthy amateur. I mean, there are plenty of things to like nerd out about and buy stuff over. So it's like I have one flash. I should probably diversify my nerd holdings and buy something else. No, you buy two flashes, then you're really a nerd because yeah, then you oh can do God. backlighting and side lighting. Oh I'm not quite there yet, Greg. I mean, you got to take photos of headphones and stuff. That's true. We should do product photos of like stuff that we talk about. Yeah, you can't podcast. do product photos without more like more flashes. That's true. That's true. Maybe or I need lights. like a backdrop or you like an umbrella or something. I would do real lights. Yeah, I would want to. I'd rather yeah, do, do actual lights and stuff. I don't think you do flashes with real product photography. I think you just use lights, don't you? And then maybe like a front flash or a little. You can flash. do either or. You need flash, do backfill or something like that. Well, what well, product should we photograph, Greg? Do you have any fun products that we could photograph? <laughs> 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 Other than the Rubik's Cube. I mean, this Rubik's Cube is dope. This is actually funny, though, because, like, when I'm sitting on my couch, like, messing around with my camera, and, like, when I was uh, trying out that flash for the first few times, I was literally taking pictures of that Rubik's Cube. Well? And, like, this water bottle, like, sitting next to each other. And I would put them on, on my table, and I would take pictures of them. And that's huh. how I would test things out and learn how to do camera stuff. This is not a good intro to an episode about focus, is it? I mean, I told you I was exhausted when I got here. I mean, that's okay. I'm deliriously exhausted. I mean, a lot of artists have told us that they do their best work when they're a little bit delirious and tired and um, not letting their own, their own senses kind of get in their way of just trying stuff out. I, I suppose. I'm just really tired. I mean, a lot of, a lot of musicians that we listen to and like have talked a lot about how they work all night or like keep odd hours when they work on stuff and they that's when they are just so delirious that they don't think anything sucks and they just try everything that's where something good comes from hmm. how about that i'll keep that in mind next time i'm exhausted yeah how do i get that one there see that's the fun that's the one like the first half of the moves for this rubik's cube are pretty straightforward but the last half yeah, you have to move totally corners like all the way around and you have to completely mess up all the stuff you've already done. Hmm. Well, so now that we have the follow-up out of the way, what's the, what, what are we going to talk Productivity about? Productivity and focus. Yep. I wanted to talk to you about this specifically, Greg, because you're actually very well-known and a lot of our, a lot of the well people that we know. Well-known period or well-known well, comma? Well-known period, but also well-known well for, <laughs> for your ability to just kind of have this death stare laser focus on whatever it is you're working on, regardless of what's going on around you. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I started with in college probably where you just have to, you have to just keep doing things, keep working. And then you don't always get quiet spaces to work. Mm. So then you just focus more on what you're doing than what other people are doing. It's like at work. I've had times where I'm like in in the room with a bunch of other people, like in a war room and they're all talking about different things or like joking around or actually having fun with their lives. And I'm like sitting in the corner writing the code cause it needs to get done with your AirPods, right? No, I could do it without, without, without headphones. I could just be in the room. Yeah. I could, I could basically ignore people in code if I need to. It's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, strong superpower. I think a lot of our developer listeners would, would kill for that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I guess if, if your main focus is productivity. Now, are you able, than, is it dependent on what it is you're actually working on? Like if, if, if you are working on an interesting code problem, Oh, Hey, 
Corners. I got the corners. If you're working on an interesting code problem, do you find it easier to, to do your laser focus then versus, say, if you were filling out your timesheets? Uh, I think it really just depends what I'm actually doing because sometimes I will... I, I have the... It's interesting because like when I'm actually focused on something, I will... I can focus... I, like I, if I'm actually doing something that's interesting... To answer your question, yes. If I'm doing something that's interesting, then I can ignore what people are saying. But when my big problem is starting things that are new. So if I've just like spent a lot of mental energy on some particular problem and then someone says, hey, now we need to do this. I'm like, no, I'm going to go away. Mm, so you need like a decompression. I just need to like walk to Whole Foods to get like a smoothie or something. or I don't know. Just do anything else. That's super specific, Greg. Well, I mean, it's what we used to do all the time. Walk to, just take a walk. So yeah, take to a walk genericify somewhere. that for all of our, for our sure. audience. Sure. If you don't live by a Whole Foods where you can spend all of your money every day, you could just go for a walk. Yeah. Go outside, take a walk. Yeah, I mean, I do it at home too. Like if I play Destiny too long or something and I'm like trying to do something and PvP is really annoying me, I'll just like stop and go for a walk. Interesting. How yeah. long, how long does it take you to get that point in Destiny versus coding? Hmm. I think coding, like I can, the thing is that with coding, I can actually, if I'm really working on something and I'm jamming along and I have everything that I know that I need, like all the unknowns are known, at least with external factors, like there's always unknowns on what you're doing. Right. But if the external factors are all defined or they're non-existent and I know what I need to do, I can go a full six hours straight of coding. Really? Not, yeah. It's it depends. Like when you come, when you come back from like lunch, say it's like one I could easily work until seven without stopping. That's if you have seven hours worth of work to do. If I actually have seven, like if I'm building, if I'm constructing something. Right. Okay. Not if I like, if someone's like, Hey, here's these 45 tickets in Jira. Like, can you do those by the end of the day? I'll be like each one of them I'll, I'll like delay on. Or if I need to, I can just like, I try to like categorize them into groups that are similar or right. like related and then just knock them all out or like related features. And I'm like, I definitely do not need like, I don't always need lists to like know what to do. Like I don't really need like a list of tasks to do. I just keep mental lists, mental you're, checklists. You're keeping track of how all these things are related in your brain. Yeah. What if these things are not related, like you said, with uh, Jira tickets? Well, if they're for the same client or the same project, then I know that they're, I can relate them in my head. Like these ones are analytics, these ones are application, these ones are backend, these ones are API, these ones are database, these ones are whatever. And I can kind of like see the system through. So if there's like something that starts in the back end and makes it all the way to the front end, then without even actually mapping it out, I know how it goes to the front end. Mm, interesting. So like I've had people in the past, like when I was a more young, young dev, I would have like people say, you know, you need to like go into your code and write comments and be like, first, I need to grab the data from the X and I need to take it to the Y. I need to parse it with the transformer. I need to put it here and then boom, 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 return the right value. I don't do that. I'm just like, need to return this value. Great. Boom, 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 done. Yeah. You know what that's called these days, Greg? What? It's called GraphQL. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Bam. Bam. 2019 right there. GraphQL. GraphQL, <laughs> all the things, folks. Anyway, <laughs> wish GraphQL was like sponsoring this episode or something. You'd be like, and we're going to take a word from our first sponsor, GraphQL. That would actually be a dope sponsor. I mean, aren't they open source? I don't know how I feel about open source projects sponsoring podcasts. I mean, they might, they might just give you some stickers and a t-shirt. I'd be okay with that. If you give mm. me some like super limited edition merch, yeah, I'd be okay with that. This podcast is brought to you by Rubik's Cube. Oh, man. I think Rubik, the actual term Rubik's Cube is 
like trademarked or something like that. So we might get in trouble for that one. Uh, that's not cool. Yeah, I mean, this this does say Rubik's with an R. You could talk but about Rubik's it like as it's a, a noun. K or a CK. It's a K. R-B-I-K, Rubik, Rubik is a guy's name. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I'm probably going to cut out all of that. Or don't. Maybe. I don't know. Get a suit. What are they going to do? Come after us for what? Like, we've made zero money off this podcast. What are they going to do? Like, <laughs> we don't even have, like, fully functioning audio set up, to be honest. Yes, we haven't heard. even had enough money to buy an, an audio yeah, setup. Like we, we have heard your feedback, folks. We know the audio is leave something to be desired. We are working on Every that. Every single time you talk, it goes, I'm here. I know. And it, then it it's clicks. because of the audio equipment. We need better audio equipment. We're getting there. We're, we're, a, we're a bootstrap startup here, guys. We're, we're you know, eating ramen for lunch. That's how we're doing it here. Why but is we're, there two boxes there. to make your audio setup work? One of them is for the headphones and one of them is for the mics, Greg. Why is that not just one thing? Because the one thing for the mics only has one headphone output. Hmm. Why would they do that? Can't you get a splitter? That, that, that's what the other thing is. I suppose that's true. <laughs> that's exactly what I that is. I should know that because I used to work on audio for a long yeah. time. But I guess that's true. But it's like a powered amp one. So it looks more yeah, it, you substantial. Have, uh, you can adjust the individual channels separately. Hmm. Yeah, but this audio interface is not really designed to take in two mics. It's designed to take in one mic. So tell me now, why can't a Macintosh or Windows computer take in two mics? Two USB mics. Two USB mics. Because they're both, they think they're both the same mic. Why? I don't know. Who broke it? I don't know. USB is a a, universal serial bus that's addressable. It's like a Mac address thing. They're addressable. Each USB device has a different address. I bet you in the OS, they've gone to one audio level channel shrug face i see it i mean we've had this conversation a couple of times off air yeah and there have been enough people who have gone down this path to try to figure it out that if it was solvable it would have been solved by now or they're not trying hard enough they need to get in a room and focus and (laughs) yeah ignore everyone else yeah ignore everyone else and focus but i think that that's part of people's unwillingness to like mess around with their settings and their computers. I mean, people give me blank stares when I tell them about Linux and they think that, oh my gosh, a terminal, what? So to continue this like randomly, I'm going to talk about everything totally random as we're talking about me being able to focus. My keyboard, the the keys that would be like the Windows OS keys, yeah. the new one that I'm getting, they're Linux symbols. Which, lin- like the Tux, the pink one? No, the other one. The Oh, the Ubuntu signal. Symbol. Oh, okay, that's cool. I'm not going to use it for Ubuntu, though. Are you going to use it at work? No. No, I'm not going to use a mechanical keyboard at work. It's well, it's just office anarchy. I mean, that is actually that is actually a goal of mine, is to be able to figure out some way to use a mechanical keyboard in an office setting. So far, it's escaped me, because the quietest switches that I know are reds. They have clears. These new ones are clears. Well, the other one I was going to ask you about is uh, there is a thing now called silent reds. And I think that's the clears. No, no, no. They're called silent. Red. That's the name. Do of have to buy a new keyboard? Might, maybe. I was thinking maybe. How I'll could buy they be silent though? Because mine are well, my reds have O rings and they don't make the, too the much reason noise. that they're called silent reds is that they have a like a little thermoplastic bumper on both the top and the bottom of the actual switch itself. So the hmm. so they um, have their own the spacers. And they're, but they're not the very big though, so they don't actually change the travel. Or the Were they made points. by Johnny Ive? 
I don't. I don't know. Is there like a little have, dome cover? I don't think Johnny has another has word. A, a key condom. Yeah, okay, that one. Yeah. On their keys on the he, inside? No, he doesn't. So here's my idea, though, is that Silent Reds plus some sort of O-ring setup might actually be quiet enough for office use. You know, I don't really like mechanical keyboards, except for gaming, because of how tight the, tall the keys are. Like, I'm used to typing on the clicky flat keys of laptops. Yeah, so but those long. are terrible, though. Yeah, but, you know, you program on them for seven years, and you're like, oh. But they're terrible. Okay, but, I mean, if you, do it, if you, if you did it for seven years, it's like driving a... It's like driving a 1975 Datsun I, and being I, like, oh, that's a crappy car. My preference is... But I've been driving it for so long. My preference is Cherry Blues because yeah, of the fact the that they're thing. loud and they're clacky they do the- and they're very heavy. And I love every single letter that I type with them. But that does not mean I am not curious about other switches. Would you have liked to live in the time when you were typing on like an IBM mainframe when those things were not buckling springs? Yeah. They like weren't like a thing that you bought as a hipster. They were like the keyboards. This is, this is is how keys work. This is how keys work. You need an audible signal that you hit the key because the computer doesn't always respond to the keys. You need an audible sound. The key was clicked. If the computer doesn't write the letter, it's on the computer. The key was clicked. I would love one of those because apparently they they are... Uh, I think somebody made like a, like a reissue. Like they tried to rebuild the original, like per the original specs or whatever. And they had the buckling spring and whatnot. Um, but of course, purists are going to be like, that's not original enough for me. It's not vintage enough. <laughs> What's that term for like audio? Um, it's like a t- original, uh, original equipment. It's not OE original. OEM. Original no, it's not OEM, but it's like original issue i don't know there's some term for like tube amps where new, they're like new old stock or something like that, that nos new old stock that way you know that they're like that's a 1960s tube it's the tube from the 1960s it's like that has not been used a yeah, tube that was a sitting new... on a shelf in russia for like 30 40 years yeah it's probably got uranium in it yeah it's probably radio buy enough of them and you can light up a <laughs> give yourself cancer <laughs> maybe <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, those keyboards, uh, the IBM ones, the buckling spring ones, I actually have typed on one before. Where? In the mainframe? No, there was, oh, where was this? No, I knew a guy that had one. He had, went and spent like $3,000 on it, like an OG one from the seventies or something. Why didn't he do this? Cause he wanted one. Was it like he a, wanted one of these original ones. Yeah. But it was it at like a, like a computer keyboard enthusiast club that you belong to or something? Who would No, do that? it was just some guy that I knew. Um, but he had very, one. Very, very, very I don't I mean, these keyboard people. Did you work with him? Was it like... No, it was a guy that... Um, he used to work out of the same... A dungeon. Coffee shop I used to work out of when I was like first programming, like when I was doing freelance He worked stuff. in a cave in Russia. And he <laughs> he brought this keyboard. He made the website for the new old stock tube amps. No, he brought this keyboard into a coffee shop. Was he the dude that's always at the Starbucks by, by with the, the with old the office? IMAC? Yeah, playing. Oh, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> that guy? No, he wasn't that guy. But, uh-huh. but this keyboard... It's ridiculous because it is super heavy. Every single way. key is like, super heavy. Like the key clicks are heavy or the no, whole like keyboard the actual, is heavy? Well, the whole keyboard itself is heavy. Is it heavier than like a MacBook? Probably because it's it's a full-size keyboard, but it's not the, like a The amount, slimmer. the size that your hands are going are like, that's, that's, there's no keyboard that's like, ever been that big. There's a huge shell around it. I mean, if you look up pictures of, of the IBM keyboards, they're this big. They're big. They're big. They're like tall. Are you talking like a thing. like a system that you use? They to have like, a spring that's like this big in it. Are you playing, describing like a piano? 
It's like this big. You're That's why it's piano. called a buckling spring, right? Because the thing is, is that the spring actually resists resists you pushing down on the key. And then what happens is that the, the spring bends. So it's like it, it squishes or resists the force mm-hmm. and then it sways out. It buckles. Okay, and that and then buckle, what is that buck? Where does it make That's your actuation point. So like the, the triggers inside of the actuation point? So no, the actuation, the so that to, buckling allows the key to go down far enough to actuate the, the switch. Seems like a very inefficient design. Well, the idea behind this buckling spring was that you needed a, a distinct actuation point. And that was apparently the most advanced engineering that people come up with. But it has a very distinctive feel, right? It's very heavy on the push. And then all of a sudden it goes whoosh. There's so many sound effects in this episode. That's my mouth, but... I thought that was like a computer. Can you imagine typing your password, Alan? Are you playing like Fruit Ninja? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So yeah, there's no way that you could possibly use that in a modern day office environment. But, 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 but... You're going to do it. If Silent Reds Mm -hmm. plus O-Rings were quiet enough to not have my coworkers potentially want to murder me, I would totally want to rock that in an office environment. There is a keyboard that has silent res that I want to try out as well. So this kind of kills two birds for me. Do you remember the, the ones we were looking at that were the 75% keyboards? Yeah, I like those ones, yeah. I like the 60%, but I was too too afraid to buy one. So the 60%, there's not enough keys. No, I, I wanted to figure out the macros and I want to be like a, enough keys. I want to get like a Dvorak 60 key, oh, 60%. Geez. Dvorak like, is a mess. I just, I don't know. It just changed my Wait, whole life. Wait, weren't you the one that said that you couldn't get used to control-based keyboard shortcuts versus yes. Mac-based keyboard shortcuts, but now you want a 60% keyboard yeah. with a Dvorak layout? I don't actually want a Dvorak layout, but I mean, the 60% seems cool with the 60% macros. does seem cool. And the, one of the things that I think is neat about 60% is that they're small enough to where you can actually like carry them around with you. Yeah. They're portable. Well, then because you're going to have to learn how to type on one of those things and then you're going to want to use it everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And they're small enough to carry around with you. And they're pretty neat. The, the concept, I like the concept behind 60%. Could I actually use one in real life? do my work probably not i need to join like a keyboard club so i could try i don't think i'd ever be able to learn i'm so used to the way that i type like i can focus in a room that's loud but i can't type on a different keyboard <laughs> like i try typing on like an ipad you know, little focus I- problems yeah i type on one of those like little ipad keyboards and i yeah. just miss keys mm-hmm. unless i use it for like an hour straight and then i can start typing well that's fair though because the size of the keyboard actually does have a pretty big impact because you have muscle memory You'll, you'd I don't be have any typing. Well, you'd be surprised as how much muscle memory you actually have, right? Like for me, I figured this out when I went from typing on a 15-inch MacBook Pro, and then I remember I had switched to like a 13-inch, and I was typing something, and I was completely missing keys. But it's actually the same size keyboard. That's a crazy. It's thing. actually not the same size keyboard. That's what I thought I'm it is. No, there's it's it's tight. It's like I thought there's less inch. space on the size the sides of the keyboard. But the actual keyboard is the same. Ha, the, the keyboard is not the same size. I figured this out just by the muscle memory of typing. So even mm-hmm. a small change like that, once you're once you're as used to keys keys and typing it like you said, uh, is enough to to throw you off. I don't actually type with the the like the little li- things that line you up. I don't type correctly. You don't type correctly. It's fine. It doesn't. It's all really in the matter. head, man. It doesn't need to come out the fingers. It's all in the head. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. I get I get it on the on the proverbial paper. If it works, it works. It doesn't really matter. You've got the the dancing lobster claws. It's fine. I mean, half the time that you type, you're just, half the time you're coding, you're just like hoping that things work anyways and spending 45 minutes thinking about it. 
I think it's more important to know the keyboard shortcuts than it is to actually be able to type out the word well, function. I don't know. I mean, you you type the thing, you get the things onto the screen faster by knowing like shortcuts. But when I change, I change apps a lot. So like I use VS Code for like one thing, IntelliJ for other things. If I were to actually try to set up like key bindings for certain shortcuts and stuff, they would never be in sync. So I just but VS Code them. has a key map for IntelliJ stuff. It does, but I don't actually use the IntelliJ key map. You can load your own key map. You can use an extension called Code. I, I know this because I do this. You can use an extension called Code Sync that will allow you to keep a JSON file that has whatever settings you want in it in sync across all of your instances of VS Code. Instances of VS Code. Yep. I use IntelliJ. Well, take whatever different shortcuts that you have in IntelliJ. You write them up once in a JSON file. Code Sync takes care of the rest of it for you. I don't want to write keys and I don't have time to make JSON how many, files how many, keys. how many keyboard shortcuts are, do you have that are different from the, I, it's all muscle memory. Well, how do you have like ones that you've defined yourself that are different from the default? Yeah, I changed some stuff. Like, is it like a hundred or is it like five? Probably like 20. I don't know. Ooh, that's a lot. But that's because Ooh. I learned, I like wrote a lot on Sublime. So most of my key bindings that are in IntelliJ come from Sublime. Guess what also has a Sublime? In guess, IntelliJ, but guess, guess what I use on VS Code for my yeah, key but map. I don't it's actually. The, the thing is, map. I don't like the Sublime key map. So it's all how I worked on Sublime because I worked on it for like three years on Sublime, and then I'm actually the only person that I know that paid for Sublime. I own Sublime. I paid for Sublime too. Two people. Two people. A lot of people just do the save and then yeah, that's dumb. Hit okay. Anyways, but. Like I used to type a lot on Sublime, and then I had a certain key binding set that I would use for like multi-select and opening the palettes and stuff, either the, the code palette or the code finding, like the commando to find function names or whatever. And you ported that over to I IntelliJ. I ported that over to IntelliJ, and then I got VS Code later, and I haven't really customized VS Code because everything is JSON-based, and I don't want to like figure out what the names of keys are. You know, you got to like be like, oh, Control-Shift-O, is, and you have to actually type it. And like know that that's a certain that's thing. Well, the it has the key it binding. has a lot of them built in, and that you can actually just go in. So it has a default ones like written yeah, out. So it has a whole big long list. But you don't know what a lot of those things are. Like you probably use like ten percent of the key binding key shortcuts in a piece of software half the time. The only thing I ever true. do, I think I use I've I've coded that. like every or I've changed every key binding, even using better touch tools sometimes to change key bindings in certain apps to make sure that it's always Command Shift P to like open the the, the pop-up menu, palette, yeah. the command palace. Like I do that in Git Kraken. I do that in I did that in Tower when I used it. I did that in uh, IA Writer when I write Markdown. I did that in like email. I've done it in like everything. I do that with I did in the, Slack um, Command Shift K to do the find. I do that with the uh, like tab left, tab right. So you know how on Mac you have Command Shift left bracket, command shift, right bracket to go like beginning and tab. No, to like go to this, go to the tab to the left, go to the tab oh, to the yeah. right. So that's a default one on Mac, which I have adopted for like all of my browsers, all of my code editors, all of my terminals. That's the one that I change. That's like that. So tell me, since we're talking about focus, how do you remember, how do you make yourself remember key bindings? And how do you change things? That's the that tricky one. Done? You just have to do it. You, the thing with key binding is that you almost have to br just brute force it. Um, but how long does it take you to change a habit? It takes a while. Key bindings are pretty hard because you have to like associate this new physical movement to a new kind of synapse route Mental in your brain. Movement. Yeah. So um, one that 
I have had trouble getting to stick in my brain is um, highlighting everything like inside of these parentheses or inside of these brackets. I never use that shortcut. I, I would love it if I could. Well, that's the one thing I feel like yeah, I would the save one a lot like, of time if yeah. I learned how to do it, but I never learned how to do it. Like you watch those people that use Vim or what's oh, the other yeah. one and they're just like... Emacs. Emacs and oh, they're just like that's... copying stuff and moving things all from the keybindings. You're like, wow, you're a wizard. Vim is wild. Vim, yeah, people if you get really good not use Vim, Vim if you wild. get good at Vim, you can get stupidly fast at manipulating text. But you're just manipulating the text, though. You still have to have the speed at which you write the the working stuff. That's true. But the thing is, is that it reduces the amount of time to go from this is what I want to write in my brain to actually having it down on the computer. Yeah, but half the time what you want to write in your brain is wrong. Well, it allows you to try more. Th- it allows you to be wrong about more things. Yeah, but you're often like thinking. So does it really matter? Well, you can write as fast as you think. I would say that I write code correctly faster than a fair share of people that I know. Oh, look at this guy. I don't know. Mr. I write code right the first time guy. Mm. I have had some really mm. fun things that I've written right correctly the first mm. time. But either way, I, I feel that after, you know, writing the same kind of things over and over again, you start to develop a pattern where you kind of have an idea of something's going to work. Like you'll be writing something and you're like, there's no way this is going to work, but I, you know, I'm going to try it. I am. I am always very skeptical. If I write something and it works the first time, I am skeptical of myself that is actually working the way I intended. That is an automatic reply for me in my brain. Hmm. I just test it. If it works. That's what I'm saying is that that makes me go, I need to go test You you look over the logic and you're like, yeah, okay, it makes sense. It's doing that. All right. Then it's doing this. And if it's, if it makes sense, it makes sense. But sometimes you write things that you're just like, I don't have any idea how this should work. And then that's what unit tests are for. But that's what unit tests are for. Not a lot of people write tests or give you enough time to actually write tests. Mm, Tell us about these tests, Greg. I'd prefer not to. You, you don't want to write tests or you do want to write tests? Oh, I believe in unit testing. Yeah. I just don't think that it always is uh, something that people, people say that there's a lot of times when people have like requirements on projects or, you know, like a client will give you a requirement. Let's say we want full unit testing. And then you're like, okay, that's going to take three weeks. And they're like, no, it has to take a day. And you're like, okay, well, you're not getting unit testing. You might barely even get your product done. Craig, I don't think that is about unit testing. I think that's just about project management in web development in general. No, I just, I mean like the, the, the technical client who's asking you to do these things will be like, I want full unit tests, full end to end tests, full this, full that. And then when it really comes down to like, okay, can you build that page in a day? Can you have it done by Friday? And you're like, no, I can't even have the thing done by Friday. They're like, okay, well, what if you move the unit test? It's always the first thing to go. It's always the first thing to go. Unit tests, qu- anything related to quality is always the first thing to go. Because yeah. they're like, well, does it work? It's very unfortunate. It is. It is. And then they're the first ones to yell at you. When yeah, when things don't work. They like get it. And they're working. like, this isn't in the right code format. It doesn't have the right amount of spaces. It was funny. Somebody at work today was like, you guys should talk about whether or not you prefer two spaces, tabs, or, tabs or spaces. This stupid, oh typical argument. Oh, jeez. The only true answer to that question is don't at me, bro. I don't care. I really don't care. <laughs> I honestly have I no do, uh, care in the world. Only, only if it's consistent. I don't It just it. has to be consistent. Yes. It has to all be right, in so the editor that, config and it yeah, has to be consistent yeah. for the project. That's all I care about. I want to, I want, I don't care which standard is enforced. I yeah, just, I just want, want one standard to be If you have an editor config and your project has one and yeah, there are pros and cons of both. Yeah. I mean, it looks cleaner when it's two. Looks cleaner when it's two. But, but also, four allow four helps you 
it's like really indented if you have four spaces, right? So it helps you keep track a little bit, which yeah, that's the argument for four. If you need to keep track of indentation, you're doing, at least in JavaScript. There are other ways to do it. You're going to the right too far. Maybe. When you do that, you're doing Maybe. too much nesting. Maybe. You need to add some callbacks, bro. There, some, promises. there is a lot of nesting. Some that goes async on weights. If I've got like a ternary inside a return, inside of a map, and inside of a function. Yeah. There's, you're I mean, screwing there's up then because you should never have a ternary inside of a map instead of a return. You should never have a ternary inside of a map. You should pretty much never have a ternary anyway, but the top level, because a ternary is essentially a logical loop. So why would you what have a you logical wanna, loop inside a logical loop? Uh, what if you want to do something alternating on your map, first and third, or odds and evens, or something like you that? You should use function. You should use you should use currying. Create a function that does the odds and evens, and then pass your data to it, and boom. What if you want to base off the index? You pass the index with the function to the curry. What if it's you want to do it inside your map? But you could do it at the top level of a function, but you pass that function into the map. Can you I'm pass right. a function into a, you can pass a function into a map? It's called JavaScript, man. It's functional. You can do anything. You can make the uh, the target of a map another function, and then you're not you're not doing a turner. Oh, you you're technically doing a turner function. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, man. It's, it's you know it's just functional programming. I mean, sometimes FP. you sometimes you can do a ternary because ternaries are like the basis of how you do conditional rendering in React. Oh yeah, you could do that, but typically with that, you're doing that at the top level of the only time I really ever do ternaries inside of React. I mean, I have done them in different depths, but usually it's like if this thing is defined, return null. And I really wish the JavaScript had the question mark colon, so it's like do null if it's not there. PHP has a thing where it's like you just do like value question mark colon and then something and if it's not if that condition is not true it returns null or undefined if it is it returns whatever you define so you don't have to be like I don't know has something view mm. question mark return or not return but write some JSX colon otherwise null no yeah you don't have to do that just question mark colon just like shorthand for yes 2019 for life 2018 20, no. i don't know well i but guess they haven't approved they're on 2015 right now and it's 2019 so <sighs> but they're not even technically on 20, 2015 yeah it's just babel man it's just babel well they're i think yes 2015 is standard yeah it's 2016 that's not yes seven and six but you still have to you still yes have to, six is almost fully standard no but you still have to babel yeah you have yeah, to babel stuff, it though. for very few things for maps and import statements you still have to babel it though that's what i'm saying you don't have to babel it if you're using you chrome. have to babel some of it you just use chrome well what if i'm using firefox you don't what if i'm doing just don't using do it. safari don't i'm using edge don't don't use edge don't do anything just chrome just chrome yeah don't it's you think that's web browser chrome is chrome's pretty good chrome's pretty good i mean it is owned by google but it's pretty good this episode is brought to you by opera we're gonna have to cut that out because they might think people might. Uh, we're not actually sponsored by Opera, folks. We're not sponsored by anything. We're not sponsored by anyone except for Rubik's cubes. Oh God, Opera actually would be. <laughs> Opera is actually nice. The, Opera does have some very good features that I do like. They have a built-in, like a very basic built-in VPN. Mm. Just a button, click VPN. That's cool, I guess. But you don't know where that VPN is. This is the thing about VPNs. You don't know who owns the VPN. You don't know what they're doing with your data. They're always like, oh yeah, it goes into, like they, they advertise them as like, oh, all of your information is going through this like proxy of all these places, but you know who knows where your data is going? 
Your VPN provider. The VPN provider. Yeah, they're logging all your stuff. They're logging all your crap. And they like, don't have what, to tell you whether or not they're logging it. They yeah. don't because the guys is like, oh, it goes into this black box, but it doesn't. It goes into their network. Yeah. There's you ever there made been a, a lot of people. That's a that's a very big deal when you're evaluating VPNs is whether or not they log and how much they log and a lot of do they users of VPNs. Well, that's when they're selling points like no logs. Da, da, yeah, da. they can say that. They but can that say that. Nobody doesn't log hard. anything. The first time you have a problem, they're like, hmm, well, you know, uh, well, maybe they're really going to be like, oh, well, actually we don't know because we didn't know what you did. A lot of places actually, like I use uh, private internet access and they absolutely do not log anything because the FBI has come knocking before and have not been able to find any of their logs. So that's, that, that's pretty solid backup. They've been around for a while. They would have lost all their customers if they had been discovered. They would have been logging by now. Anyway, what are we talking about? Opera? I don't know what we're talking about. Opera has, uh, what does it have? It has this like nice little thing called speed dial, I think, where it has... You can dial phone numbers? Turbocharged bookmarks bar, essentially. Like it gives you a little shortcut to your bookmarks. I don't know. It's not too bad. Once I'm like... The problem with having multiple tabs open and then keeping track of them is that once he, they're like not in your foreground, you forget about them and then you come back later, you have like 95 Chrome helpers and you just, you just, you just commit default. You're like, boom, command W on everything. But then Q, you don't know man. where you were. All Q. Command well, you Q. could all Q, but then Chrome will remember where you were unless you tell it not to. That's or we open all your tabs. Yeah, that's true. So you just got to commit default and just delete everything. You know what browser I really liked that I used for a while, but I never actually, like, I don't go on the internet, so I never use one. I, I go on the internet for, like, Destiny apps and, like, watching YouTube while I'm playing. But most of the time, like, I spend eight hours a day coding things, looking at, you know, going on the internet to go to Google, figure things out or whatever, and reading documentation and writing code and being generally on a section of the internet. And then I go home and, like, I use Reddit on my phone, so occasionally I am on internet-based things, but I don't do it on a browser half the time. Interesting. But the browser that I did like was Vivaldi. Didn't Vivaldi get bought by Opera? Oh, I don't know. Probably. What What made Vivaldi so good for you? They had like this thing where they had like a sidebar that was a mini browser and you can open up like mobile versions of apps in that browser. In so the you, sidebar, like in the window? It would like, there was like a, a certain key you'd turn on or like a side button you'd press and it would like, it's kind of like the, the code pane of IntelliJ or any kind of editor. Mm. It was like another little window on the left or you could put it on the right or whatever. But in there, you could load any website you want and not just bookmark it as like a bookmark. You could leave it open as a, like a special tab in there. And then essentially it would be, it would load the mobile version of the site by default. So you could have like your email in a mobile view on the left. If you're, oh. if you're mobile, if you're like, if you're on Google and it supports mobile viewing. Interesting. So you can have like Facebook or Twitter or something that knows has a really good mobile web experience on the left. And then it also had like a really good tab preview thing where it would actually render screens of the tabs that were live. So you could actually see where you were going. And I think you could hold a mouse, like hold command and swipe and it would like flip through them like cards. Mm. And you can get back to where you were. And I don't remember what else it had. It had a bunch of stuff. I'm looking this up right now. Check out their features. It has some pretty cool stuff. But then I, but then I was like, I don't know. I mean, I had it on my computer for a while because I was like, you know, I'm going to use this as like the browser when I'm on like google or something or like when i'm googling things or i'm on stack overflow i was using that as like my actual use communication browser and then i would use chrome as my development browser but since vivaldi early on was actually built from chromium it registered itself as chrome so when you as would like user agent no like as the legit app oh so when you command tab to it you ever notice a lot of like chrome apps if you command tab to chrome it'll, it'll bring the- up 
Chrome uh, like the icon. Chrome apps. Yeah. No, it'll actually bring up like the app, like oh. Authy or whatever. It's like a Chrome app. You command tab to Chrome, it'll bring back Authy. And you're like, well, no, that's not Chrome. But there's multiple instances of Chrome open because they're technically all Chromium. Yeah, that's true. Fun stuff. I, I get that with um, if I'm running messages from the web, like from my text messages, from my SMS messages. Uh, is this a Android thing? It's an Android thing. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Well, the so the Android messages app, you can actually access it through the web browser. Sounds insecure. Well, all you have to do is uh, snap a picture of a QR code and it loads it up, and it gives you the op- if you load it up in Chrome, it gives you the option to pop that out into its own app and has its own icon and everything. Hmm. But when you Pretty alt nice. tab to it, it probably opens Chrome, huh? No, so you actually alt tab to Chrome, and then from within Chrome, you're alt tilting. Like you know how when you have multiple Chrome windows open, and yeah, it treats it like another Chrome window. It treats it like another. I hate Chrome that because then you're like, well, what if I want to alt tab to messages? It won't let you do it. Well, I like having my things grouped. I don't. Okay, well then. I like treat. I even have like multiple Chrome windows open sometimes, just to like keep separate things separate. I I don't like that because for me, I think whatever my mental model of my apps are are different instances of apps rather than windows right so i could have like mm-hmm. i could have a chrome window that is the react documentation and then i have another one that is say incognito that is my local host that i'm developing on to make sure i'm not caching and then i have another one that's my messages app that has all my sms on it those to me when i think if i'm in say like slack and i need to alt tab back over i'm thinking i need to alt tab back into chrome what if you have 14 chrome icons in the alt tab view I never have that many. I usually only ever have, say, three or four tops. Yeah, I probably, I tap it out at four. I don't know why you'd have more than four. I don't think I, I like, ever no, have I tap four. it out at four. So, oh. like, if I have more than four, I call default on one of them. Yeah, I don't. Or I, I don't minimize think them. I don't think I've ever had more than, like, three or four. I don't know. I like oh. having monitors. In my, in my desk right now at work, I have four. You have four monitors? Four, well, including the one on the laptop, yeah. Tell us about these monitors, Greg. They're just... Monitor. So you've got your so from what I recall, you've got you've got your two twenty seven inch monitors. Two twenty seven inch ten eighty P that I own, yeah. That I Those are with. yours. You've got your laptop. I have the laptop one. And you're rocking what the uh iPad? No, one of the Dell ones. One of the ones that they have. One of the like the stock ones. Those are actually not bad panels. Uh, they're just too small. But I have it vertical. Trying the vertical thing. Oh, so that's where you keep your uh your terminal, right? No, because it's too tall. That's where I keep, I split it between Slack and email. It's my communication screen. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and then terminals on the, the laptop screen. And then I have an editor on one of the 27s and then the Chrome window that does all the development on one of the 27s. Yeah, that's that's kind of the classic classic setup. That's the whole... It's the classic if you have four screens set up. Well, it's the classic if you have two monitors set up. One of them is your code editor, the other one's the browser. I like, I, I have to work with a minimum of three because I like having one that's the terminal only. So use the terminal a lot. When I was when I was working under that kind of same setup where I had the two big monitors in my laptop, I had Slack in the terminal on the laptop. And then I had my browser. I just don't care about talking as much. I'm either going to be in Slack or I'm going to be in the terminal. I would never be in both those at the same time. And only in communication when I have to be. That's true. So that's another way you can focus is just ignore people. Signal, if you turn off your Slack. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, you turn, just... X out of that ugly new... Uh, when people new really, really want logo. you at an office, they will come to you. There's a case to be made that that's worse, though. Well, there's a case to be made that maybe they shouldn't be bothering me when they ask me anything for well, to would do you, things. Well, would you... Somebody... All right, so let's say somebody's intent on bothering you about something. Yeah. 
would you rather them slack you or rather them come tap you on the shoulder? Mm, I would probably just ignore their slack and then they would come talk to me and say, you know, I, I sent you a slack. Did you get it? And I'll be like, I'm working right now. Maybe I didn't. How well does that go for you, Greg? goes pretty well because, you know, I do my job and I do my work and I get things done quickly and well and people don't always question what I'm doing. I would say I'm a little bit of a diva sometimes with the communication, but, you know, there's just if you let people do too many meetings, there's too many meetings in a day. I mean, I totally, I 100% agree with you. I'm, I'm on board with you. I'm just, uh, I've had the experience to where maybe some of our non-technical stakeholders that we work with don't necessarily understand the necessity of being left alone. Going back to like the focus thing, the thing that bugs me about being forced to multitask is that I can multitask on things that are related. So if someone tells me your day in a day is going to be going to meetings, taking notes, planning, figuring out how to do something, directing people, whatever, I can do that. But don't tell me that like in the same day, I'm also supposed to produce a feature. Yeah. A difficult feature. And you're going you're not going to have one big block of time to do it. You're going to have 30 no. minutes here. You're, minutes and then there. they and then yeah. yeah, the non-technical people will end up scheduling like f- just meetings all the day and they're like, "Well, we need you to like be on this meeting with this client to like talk about this particular issue or we need you to be here for this." And the teams don't really talk. So if they then multitask you on different projects, each one of those non-technical people will amass a certain set of meetings for you and then you look at your calendar and you're like, so when do you expect me to deliver this serious feature? And then people will tell you, oh, we're waiting on waiting on Greg for like X. Oh, you well, you've got like 45 minutes before lunch on Wednesday, Greg. You just, you just do it then. And then you've got another 20 minutes at five o'clock on Thursday. And then you've got a whole hour before your stand up on Friday. That should do it, right? The greatest thing when you work at an agency is when people tell you, well, you're only allocated 60% to that client. And you're allocated, you know, 20% to this client. So you have 20% left. But then you go look in their tracking software and, and they've somehow managed to bill you at 145%. And you're like, how does that work? How does that work? Because they just, they, they, they'll think of things like this is a certain amount of time. So like they'll ask you, how long is it going to take you to build X? And you know, you're a developer. You're like, you're always going to guess. Yeah. You never know how long it's going to take unless you're building something that's already been built. And you're like, well, why am I building that? give that to somebody else. Like we're seniors and above, like give it to somebody else. Like if you know how to build it, it's been built a hundred times. I can help this person do it. If you give me the time, I can teach them how to do it. But why are you giving that task to somebody to do? If they, you know, if they could be used for something much more important or harder. So I don't know, there's that. But then they'll say like, how long is, how long is it going to take to do that? An hour. Okay. So We'll give you, you know, an hour before lunch to do that. And then you'll be in a meeting. You go to lunch and you'll be in meetings and then you'll come back and then you'll present that to the client like an hour later after that. So it's like you start at like, I mean, you go, let's go through like the typical day of developer at an agency. You come in around nine to 10, depending, and then you're immediately in standups. If you're on more than one project, you're in two standups and the standups are like, you know, 15, they supposed to be scrum. I, I love that. How like it's supposed to be agile, but Okay, scrums take like 30 minutes if you aren't really actually agile and you're like, what'd you do yesterday? What are you doing today? Do you have any blockers? Like, which is the most pedantic thing when people ask you to do that. And you're like, well, you know what I did yesterday was something that I can't explain in two minutes. So come back to me when you want to talk about it. And guess what I'm doing today? That same thing. Yeah, that same thing. And, and if you want to know, and then you start explaining it and they're like, well, this is scrum. We can't talk about that. 
can't talk about that details of that. Like we're in scrum. We're supposed to be very quick, very short, really fast. So I don't know. Yeah. If there's, if there's one thing that I would like our project managers and our non-technical stakeholders to take away from listening to this conversation is that three one hour blocks of time is not the same as one three hour block of time in developer hours. It is completely because in a developer's mind, you can actually get everything that they want done. If they actually gave you three hours of unblocked time, I think that's your point. Yeah. They, you could totally get everything they want you to do done. If they just left you alone for three hours, no slacks, no tapping on the shoulders, three hours. But then they come and ask you a question and they come and ask you another question. What do you want for lunch? What do you need for lunch? What are you doing for lunch? Do you want to go to lunch? Do you want to do hey, this? We're going to happy hour afterwards. Do you want to come? Yeah, it's like the. It's funny because a lot of times you'll you'll go to lunch, you'll come back, and then you'll like sit down to work, and you're like, all right, let's go for a walk and get coffee. And you're like, well, Ugh, I just got. Oh. But you want to get coffee because you're kind of falling asleep from lunch because it was, you know. And you feel that deep thrain thrombosis coming down your legs. You're like, I want to get up and walk too. Yeah, that's true. Just, you know. Standing desks aren't something people provide you or scientifically are not actually proven to be helpful. Well, it's not that they're not proven to be helpful. It's that they're not proven to be any better than sitting. Jury's still out. Anyway, there is, and this, this reminds me of an article that I think Paul Graham wrote many years ago, many years ago. It's called the maker versus manager schedule. I think I've heard of this. This is like a pinnacle article. Yeah, it is. It is. Basically, anybody who manages developers, I think this should be required reading. As in, like, it, the first question that you ask a project manager of developers in the interview is, have you read this article? Tell me some of your takeaways. If they either, one, don't know the article, or two, don't have any takeaways, they should not be hired. That's my opinion, but... Yeah. There's also another really good book, too. It's called Managing the Unmanageable. Is that a, is that a book? Of your, is that your autobiography? <laughs> is that my autobiography? Jeez. I would say I'm one of the unmanageables. Yeah, probably. No, it talks about like how there's different kinds of developers. And like if you're a project manager, there's different ways that different people work. And if you don't understand what kind, it's like, it's like the, the, the different uh, personality types, but like in development. So it's like some people you can kind of strong arm. Some people you have to like, just let them do what they want to do. I haven't had enough time to actually read the book, but it basically talks about like the different kinds of like antisocial developers. There's not like not every, uh, well, you know, just to let everybody realize not every developer is antisocial. And I'm, not every, I'm antisocial. I don't think you're antisocial. No, let, let me be very clear about this. I got into doing this work specifically because I didn't have to talk to other people. And it allowed me to focus and really use my brain and really get deep in very tricky, difficult technical problems because I didn't have to talk to other people. It was a it was a selling point of this career. How's it working I, out? I don't know if that <laughs> comes out to be meaning antisocial, but I kind of mean that as a joke. It's a little bit tongue in cheek, but part of why developers I, I would say part of why developers get into this business is because they're naturally introverted and they do have a lot more energy and are able to work better when they're not constantly talking to other people. But I don't think that I'm introverted. See, you keep saying that. We've talked, we, you and I have talked about this. You actually are. So there's a difference between outgoingness and introversion, right? You are what's probably known as a charismatic introvert, which is you have throughout your life learned behaviors of how to interact with people in a way that but I don't helps find, you. I don't find social interactions awkward most of the time, unless they're like actually at a party. Well, it's not something. about awkwardness necessarily. It's, um, you can think of it as kind of like your mojo or like what gets you going, right? Like 
you have to uh, have a lot of time to yourself to be able to kind of recharge your batteries. But enough. I don't need that. That's the thing. Well, so I know that that is the definition. You're one of those like weirdos that's like in the middle. It's a well, scale. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not an either or. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely it. a scale. But that is one of the that is one of the defining factors of being introverted. Is that if when you're around people, you lose energy and you need to go back to being by with nobody to regain energy. And I'm the opposite. When I'm alone, when I'm not with people, I become more introverted. But then when I'm around people, I open up and I don't get tired of being with people, but I avoid being with people. The being around people is not necessarily the opposite of introversion, right? Like um, introversion is either you can be recharged by spending alone time or spending like deep connected time with either with one other person. I think that's like the limit. So like you and I doing this podcast is still kind of uh, very much in that introverted lane. Um, but if we were doing a podcast for like four other people, um, I don't know if I'd be able to go an hour and a half with you every single week. Right. And I would need probably some time watching TV or doing stuff. I do play quite a lot of video games. Yeah. So your video games is your introversion time. And that's kind of why video games have become so popular. But they're so social though, because you're playing with people. Like I'm usually talking to like a buddy of mine, a couple buddies of mine. I mean, yeah, to an extent, but you're still by yourself. Not really, because they're constantly like they're constantly there on the other side of a mic. It's like imagine we're not looking at each other and we're talking and we're playing a game. It's still different. And then though. you're playing like the crucible and you're like, Oh my god, how did that guy just shoot me again with a shotgun? I mean it's still it's still different. And then they make fun of you. It's still different. I don't know. It's still different. This is why I insist that we sit here in front of each other and do this podcast rather That's than That's mainly do it. for you, because I feel like I could do it over the phone. No, we could we could do it over Skype because then I would just use the the actual mic and put on my thing. It would actually It'd probably sound, sound better. But the thing a, is, it would, it would, I, when it would I don't think that our conversations would be as good if they were. I think that's true. Cause I feel like every time I talk to you on the phone, we argue more. That's true. We don't argue on the podcast because I'm looking at you and yeah. I know people are listening. Yeah. This is maybe the problem with social media and the internet these days is that people don't look each other in the face when they say things. It's true. And that's where a lot of the problems come from. It's deep. It's pretty deep. Deep cut Zuck. That's my, that's my deep thought for the day. Deep cut Zuck. <laughs> Chairman and CEO, guys. Chairman and CEO. Did you see that article today? Not to change the subject completely, but do you see that article today of the guy who mentored Zuckerberg? No. And then sent like a he sent like a three-pronged thesis on why Facebook is messing up. No, what were the what were the prongs? Give me a TLDR. <sighs> uh one of them was about well, the third one, I'm gonna be out of order. The third one was about to fix Facebook, people need to own their own data. They need to be transparent about how it's used. The second one was that they need to kill filter bubbles. Yep. And the first one was that they need to be more honest and like they basically that they they need to regain respect. But people are going to use it either way because they don't people don't actually connect. They don't care about the other two. Well, they don't they don't connect the fact that this thing that provides them utility is also providing detriments to society as a whole. And he actually said that Facebook has be create has been shown to have negative effects on entire societies especially in like smaller countries that are maybe having there's also there's also a correlation uh that shows increased use of facebook and instagram has lead led to uh higher suicide rates among american teens which is deeply concerning Hmm. i deleted my facebook well i'm i'm pretty close to being there i deleted mine like a year ago yeah that's why that's why this podcast is probably not gonna be on facebook you see any you pages podcast on Facebook or like, like a, a fan page. page 
Oh, like yeah, no. if you see any pages, let's say public function on Facebook, they are fakes and fake news. They're not real. It's interesting that you mentioned, I'm going to follow up with you on that because I read something about Sheryl Sandberg and that being of the age that she is and having gone to Harvard Business School, there is a case study that would have been part of her curriculum at Harvard Business School when she was there about the CEO of Bayer, the aspirin, extra strength Bayer. And there was a case where um, before they had like the seal, like the tamper-proof stuff on these aspirin bottles, somebody was injecting cyanide into these pills. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And a couple that. Of people died, right? Yeah, there was, wasn't that Tylenol or was it Bayer? It was Bayer. It was extra strength Bayer. So what happened was the CEO came out and he said, we are pulling every single bottle of Bayer off the shelf. I am so deeply sorry that this has impacted people's lives. We're going to fix this. We are not going to put our product back on the shelves until we fix this. So that's where the cap came from, the, the ratchety cap. Put it back on the shelves. I think a few months later, somebody did the same thing, but like injected it into the thing. Guess what he did? Pulled every single bottle off the shelf. Like basically went on TV, like crying about how sorry he is. The CEO of this company, mind you, a very, very rich man at the time. And they came up with the seal. The, the like the warranty void of seal. Yeah. I've seal. always wondered why doesn't somebody just put a syringe through the plastic? But then you can tell that it's been tempered with that. You know if it's a very sharp idea. syringe. You drop you some cyanide from the outside. Well, I mean, this Your Honor, I present exhibit A. <laughs> <laughs> no. Correct homicide trial. Anyway, so <laughs> the reason why I bring this up is that this is this is held up. This was held up at the time at Harvard's business school as a case of this is how you handle public scandal. Hmm. Yeah. This is how you handle it when somebody takes your product that you make and put out there that's supposed to be good. And, and somebody tamper, weaponizes it's not even it your fault. Yeah. It's not even your fault. Yeah. Now compare and contrast this to all of the behaviors of Mr. Zuckerberg and Ms. Cheryl Sandberg over the last, I'd say year, maybe two years, right? The outright lying to Congress, the outright lying to the public about how their data is handled, about Cambridge Analytics I'm sorry, Congressman. I don't know what data points are. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. how. What do you mean by 23 data points? I don't quite understand the question. I don't know what that is. I think I'm going to have to go back and we'll get back to you with a good answer on that. Execute blink program. Sort of thing? No, there's there's like a meme. That, remember remember when we typed in can Mark Zuckerberg into the Google search bar and said can Mark Zuckerberg blink? Oh, that was one of them? That, that was, that was a them. thing? That was like this joke. See, if I had read Reddit and had known the memes. If you were on the internet and you read the memes, like there, there is this meme that like Zuckerberg is a robot trying really hard to pretend like he's not a robot. I think he's actually just antisocial trying to pretend that well, he's that's, not that's the other thing too is that there is, uh, I don't know if it's a rumor, but it's like there's this assumption that these CEOs of tech companies who act kind of weird and are a little bit off are just on the spectrum, right? There, there's this very well-known rumor about Marissa Mayer because she was very strange as well. She was very strange. Um, not necessarily that they're antisocial, but that they are on a certain portion of the Asperger spectrum. And so that governs kind of how they interact with their people, decisions that they make as leaders and things like that. So a lot, lot of that stuff going on with all of our mm. big tech companies. I just sniffled like Trump. Oh my God. Yeah. Greg, do you have any picks for us this week? Hmm. I haven't done anything since last week. Have you gone out to any new restaurants? 
I like this game where you play and you're trying to make me think of picks. Uh, no. Have you? Are there any video games other than Destiny that you've played recently? No. You have not received your new keyboard yet. I have not. I did get the keys though. I ordered keys from WASD Keyboards. What kind of keys? Keycaps. Keycaps. Yeah. Okay. What kind of keycaps? They're they're ten keyless set. Oh, like a fancy color. Like I mean, I picked, I picked the colors. Okay. Are they the PBT ones or the ABT? ABS. I don't know. They're the ones they make. I think they might be PBT. They're not the greatest, and they're they were kind of expensive. But they're literally the only company that makes ones that I found that you could color every key. Those are probably PBT. That's probably. cool. Can you take a picture of them so we can? They're on the internet. Well, can you take a picture well, have of to like put them yours? On the keyboard first. Okay, when you put them on the keyboard, can <laughs> I don't you take have a the picture keyboard. of them? I don't what know keyboard? when I'm going to get the keyboard. What is this keyboard that's coming? It's a Ducky One Two. Ducky One Two. Ten keyless. 10 keyless white, white keys only because, and you're going to make a joke only because it has the white lights and I didn't want to deal with RGB anymore because I got tired of like customizing it and like thinking of what color it is. I just want my keys to be white. I just want them lit. Yeah. And whatever. I just want them lit up. I want them to make lights. But you're putting your own colored keycaps on them. Yeah. But the keycaps are not, the light's not going to shine through them. So it might be interesting, but I, I didn't want to order ABS a keyboard then. without, but you just want them like the light to be around. You don't need this. I, thing don't, I just wanted there. to get the keyboard with the lights. Cause in, I, one day I'll probably, when I recover from the purchase of buying the keyboard and new keys, which was kind of expensive, maybe I'll get like a nice set of keys when Mastrop has like the, they have this really cool like space special one. Sets, yeah. They have a space one. That's really yeah. cool. When that comes back in stock, I might buy those. Yeah. Mastrop apparently is the place to go. To it get. is. I found very that it's, sought after keycap sets. I found it's very hard in this little bit of research that I've done to find key sets. You yeah. go to Amazon, they don't have any. No, they no. they just have like a like a standard set of different keys, but they don't have like a ton of different keys. Yeah, they're pretty rare because I mean, let's face it, mechanical keyboards is not a booming industry. So I mean, there's a whole section on mass drop for them. I think they are. I think they're in, they're booming in a certain subsection of people. In, yeah, in a certain subsection of people. But there's a lot of people. Like dorks like us, right? There's and, a lot of and people. And our friend And our... Well, we're trying to get Hannah into it. We're sort of trying to get she Hannah into it. She might buy my it. old one. Which one? The Corsair one or the Mionics one? No, I have the Mionics. I got rid of... I gave the Corsair to Justin. Has she decided that she likes Dreads? I don't know. She's gonna, I'm going to let her borrow it. And if she wants to buy it, she'll buy it. Hannah, let us know. Tweet at us. Let <laughs> us know how the, the keyboard experiment is going. We should have her on to tell us. Because she's interesting sure. because she's like new to this keyboard thing. Yeah. And she's like kind of discovering what she likes and what she doesn't like, which I think is a cool experience. I think it'd be fun to hear about. Yeah. We took her, we went, the, she was one of the people that came with me to, uh, me and Aaron and her went to the shit factory together. And that was when she was like experiencing like just an amazing amplifier and DAC at the, for the first time. She's like, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. When she looked at the, when she looked at the price tag, right? Uh, she saw the price tag up front. It's her end game. Yeah. She, she tweeted at us. Already? That she's not, well, she said she's, she's not going to She's not gonna buy the headphones and stuff until we get better audio gear for our podcast. So When did she say that? She tweeted that, us, that at us a while ago. I don't know. A couple weeks ago. So shout out to Hannah. I see her every day, but I don't remember. Yeah. Sh- shout out to Hannah. That's because I don't go on Twitter. Let, let us know how. Well, she's not listening because the sound isn't good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, we, we, are, we have some plans. The sound is going to get better. The sound is going to be amazing. It's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> Space Force. Space Force. Yeah. So my pick this week is a, t- a TV show. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it a TV show like the last five times? No, no not the last TV? Time I, I said one TV show once yeah. for a pick. One too many. Once. Now you have two. Too once. Too many. I mean, 
I had to actually cut it down because apparently last weekend and this weekend are like, there's a ton of good content that's come out over the last two weekends. The one show, the, the show that I'm picking, let me go over that first, but then we'll go over the other stuff. The show that I'm picking is a show called Bodyguard. It is not, it is not the Whitney Houston movie. It is a show called Bodyguard. You've seen it? Yeah. Uh, well, you've seen the show or the movie? The show. The show. My it's girlfriend good. was watching it. I watched like, it's a very good show, but I was playing a lot of, I was playing Destiny at the time, but it's, it's super I just intense. don't like shows because you have to watch like 10 episodes of this thing. I don't have 10 hours. That's insane. Uh, you know, the show that I have been watching um, is The Expanse, but I only watch it when I ride the exercise bike at home. Why don't you watch the bodyguard while you ride the exercise bike? Because I already know enough of the bodyguard. I watched like, I watched like the first five episodes. You don't know enough. No, I know what happens because I remember I watched has, and I saw has parts. Anyone, has anyone died yet? Yeah, and then he gets like accused of something. Yeah, it was it was like a thing. I saw I saw the I saw the parts. Some the parts. last so the last couple episodes. Let's I'm just say so people spoilers. die, people die. Yeah, people have sex. Well, yeah, it's uh, bodyguard, and um, mm-hmm. there are bombs involved. Yeah, I I, I know all these things because I watched it. Oh, I you know I I watch things when she watches stuff. But I usually have headphones on and I'm playing Destiny. But I still can hear because I have open back headphones. I hear what's on TV. I just don't care. I just thought that was a really good show. <laughs> it is a very um, good show. It is a dark British thriller about a young man who comes back from Afghanistan and becomes a essentially a secret service agent for, I think, essentially the Homeland Security Secretary or something like that. But she's kind of, they disagree on things. And then they stopped the screen. One thing that I noticed when watching it, I really respected the show because it is a very, very, very smart show. It is. Very well written. Yeah. The The opening scene on the train is actually really, really good. So go check that out if you haven't seen it or if you need something to watch this weekend. Going back to Netflix, though. Oh, my goodness. Last weekend and this weekend together, so much good stuff coming out. So much good stuff. So last weekend, so last weekend was... So last weekend was uh, the first season of Sex Education. Another I saw British the bold billboard for that when I drove over here. Yeah, so that uh, that show is also hilarious. It's kind of that'll balance out the bodyguard if you need something to pick you back up. Julian uh, Anderson is in this one. Julian Anderson of X Files fame. She is so she plays the mom of the main character. She plays a sex therapist. Didn't they make that other show, Masters or whatever, that was about sex therapists? No, not exactly. It was on Showtime? Maybe. Something like that. I, what was the show about the Mr. two? Mr. Moneybags over here with the Showtime. Well, I mean, my girlfriend works in the movie industry. I don't, I don't have Showtime. I don't know. I don't have, I don't I th- have Showtime. I think I know what you're she talking does. about. But anyway, Julian Anderson, blonde Julian Anderson. It's weird. It's not weird. Red hair. It's totally weird. not weird. Red hair. Trust me, it's not weird. Well, you have something to say about that. That's all I'm saying. It's not weird. Blonde Julian Anderson, sex therapist, mom of the main character kid. Really good, really funny show. Let me let me try to guess the plot. So she's a sex therapist. Her daughter's like what, fourteen? No, the kid's son. Son's Son's like fourteen, twelve, teenager, and he's starting to learn how to about relationships and sex and stuff. And she teaches. She she is a sex therapist. Remember, it's British. That should help you. But she's not like used. She doesn't know how to deal with her kid trying to ask her questions about sex. Sort of. So basically, yeah. I, should be, he, I should be like a writer. Well, he uh, basically starts this racket at school with one of his classmates. 
uh, where he dispenses sex therapy advice to his fellow classmates. Oh, wow. Money. Okay. And somehow, he doesn't know anything about sex. He knows very little about sex. But he also has does. his own hangups. And there are a cast of characters and he has a gay best friend and there's a, I think like a dance scene involved. It's a very British comedy. Is it like British provocative or like real provocative? It's, it's British, like uh, it has that like tinge of awkwardness in an already awkward kind of topic anyway. Preteens talking about sex. But that was an enjoyable show. So that came out last weekend. Friends with Benefits season two came out last weekend. I feel like I watched part of that show. That show, I don't know why I enjoy watching that show. I don't know what it is. It seems just very human. Even though it's like written as a comedy and it's kind of... I don't I don't get Fred Savage and Billy Eichner as a couple. Like it doesn't register to me that they are a couple. There's a few of those shows that she watches that I don't really know. But it, it's a, that one's a fun show. So this week... Oh my goodness. This weekend. Oh, also, uh, The Good Place Season 3 came out last weekend. This weekend is... I need to... Hold on a sec. I looked this up. I'm looking at my list. I'm trying to be less wrong. I'm trying to not have to issue another correction. Going to have to have your own follow-up to the things that you said. Oh, my God. Hang on a sec, guys. The Punisher Season 2. I liked the Punisher. Comes out this weekend. Which one is the one that's with the, the blind guy? That's not the Punisher. That's Daredevil. That yeah, that's a canceled. really good show. That one was really good. Anyway, Punisher season two. A friend of mine uh, from hockey actually worked on that show. He's a stuntman. He has a stunt company. He showed me some of the previous stuff that they did for season one. Really incredible stuff. Anyway, that one is significant because Punisher is the last Marvel show on Netflix now. Yeah, it's because they're making their own streaming service. I mean, the fact that they're releasing it. Punisher is good. John Bernthal was really good in that show. I enjoyed it. I'm planning on watching that. Grace and Frankie season five. Grace and Frankie low-key is actually a really fun show. How many shows do you have time to watch? You should play more Destiny. I don't have time to watch all of these shows. I, I get into like one show. And then the Why other thing that's coming out this games? weekend. Well, I... You have a computer with a 1080 that you just leave on. doesn't do anything. Your 1080 is just making heat. I play games sometimes. I play Borderlands last weekend. Borderlands 2 is I have specific. not played Borderlands. Borderlands is fun. I've heard it's great. I just never played it. I, Borderlands 2 is the one that you want. It you was a computer game cheap. when I didn't have a computer. Was the it first on one or the second one? I don't know. Was it on The second one is really good. Probably. The other thing coming out this weekend is the documentary about the Fire Festival. F-Y-R-E. Fire. The what one is, where they were like... Is oh, it like this a comedy this. or is it... No, it's a documentary about how this guy who ran this festival like basically duped a bunch of people into thinking it was the next Coachella and he didn't have any of it. It's really funny because if you actually get the money, can't you just hobble together a real show? No, that's and... the thing. He's he got convicted of fraud. Of no, I know. Wire fraud and stuff because he didn't have all this stuff. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you have that much money in your bank account, can't you just be like, hey, some like A slash B level celebrities come to this thing and just actually have water on the island and safety precautions? No, you have to do that before people show up. That's the thing. That's what you're selling. Anyway, this is funny to me because there is a person that you and I both know that actually went to it was yeah. supposed to go to this. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably going to watch that at some point this weekend, you know, because it's going to keep raining in LA and we're not going to be able to. Not today was the last day of rain. I thought it was going to go through to tomorrow. Oh yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's not Friday. Today's sad. not Friday, right? Yeah. It's very sad. I don't know what day it is. I don't know. There's, there's not really a whole lot of reason to go outside. Like if you're, uh, uh, let's see. If you're a person that lives in LA and you don't want to get rained on, you're not going to go outside. 
Um, if you are a child that's supposed to go to LAUSD school, you're not going outside. What if you live 50 minutes from your office? and You You should definitely not go outside. You should just work, work from home. I've driven to work every day this week. That's pretty tough. Why do you I work only, from home? I only work from home on rain days when it's the first day that it's rained in a while. Because Californians, specifically people in LA, don't remember how to drive in the rain the first day it rains. And there's also oil all over. I don't around. think they ever learned though. Is the thing? No, they. I th- it's been fairly okay this Cause week. Because Sunday was fine, right? Because they played the foot. Because the Rams played. I didn't go anywhere on Sunday. Well, that's the thing. It's it rained Saturday night. Sunday was okay. Sunday did not rain at all, and then Monday it started raining like cats and dogs again. Yeah, and then all week it's been okay. I've seen some accidents. I've seen people on the side of the road. I, I'm not trying to. I don't doubt. If I had your commute, I would not drive to work if it was raining outside. I had to though. No, you don't. I had to. No, there was a lot so. going on. I don't think so. That's why I'm brain dead. Maybe. Craig, where can people find you on the internet? Dude, don't at me. <laughs> Definitely at him. At Grigorsky. No, this week? No. At Grigorsky uh, on Twitter. La, 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 la. <laughs> I'm just going to edit you out of this, <laughs> man. I am uh, the master. I control everything. I control the public opinion. Of good luck making me sound good this week. I mean, you're going to sound fine. We didn't even get to our topic. We talked a little bit about our topic. We talked about a, talk things. a lot about the topic. Well, the thing is, is that Listening to this episode will help you learn how to focus. So, right, if you're able to glean, if you're able to glean the good parts of this episode out. Oh, like other people. Yeah. If, if you can actually make get, it through it, you get. If you actually make it through this episode, you get a gold star for focus. I used all my focus hours ago. Oh, yeah. People tweet at us. If you're, if you're able to get through this episode. At Albert. At Al Park. At Al Park. Hit me up. You have the show too. At a public function. Tweet at us there. Follow us. We should go back to tech topics next week. What kind of tech topics do you think? At us and tell us what you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah. What do you guys, what do you guys want to want us to talk what about? You want to know about? Yeah. We, we, we should have like, I would love to have like a Q&A. We should talk about the intricacies of C. We already talked about that, Greg. Mm-hmm. Everything is just C. I'm going to say that in an interview coming up here. I'm just like, well, you know, since I'm a C developer now. Yeah. Pull up my britches. You wear britches? No, that's like what you do. It's like, I know, but no one ever adult. says that unless they're uh, like 90. I could uh, program the Space Force. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that he would ever say that. Well, he said he, well, he, he did say that he knows technology better than anyone. He said that? He did. He actually said that in a recorded something. Doesn't he oh, not know how to spell? He said, well, he said that in a tweet. He said that he knows technology better than anyone in a tweet. He does not how, know how to spell the word hamburger. Yeah, that was what it was. That was hilarious. That's what it was. I think Burger King... May have had something to say about that. I mean, they should. It's perfect opportunity to get some PR. Pretty much. But if the they thing had done that about Taco Bell, Taco Bell would have had a pretty dope. Response. But the thing is, Burger King's Twitter account is all about the memes. Anyway, yeah, and making fun of people and making fun of people, roasting people. So they're already kind of like part of the internet culture. So that's a pretty big deal. So, folks, add us. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Greg is willing to talk about anything with his laser focus. Talk about. What is something that you don't want to talk about? Hmm. Star Trek. Oh, God. <laughs> Tweet at us, folks. We'll see you next week. See you next week. No, I'm testing for the peaks, Greg. What about the valleys? It's called it's all about dynamic range. Yes, peaks and valleys. That's that's dynamic range, that's how it works.
I know, but what about the valleys? The valleys are very low right now. Ain't no valley low enough, Greg. <laughs> ain't no valley like the Valley Valley. Did you ain't, actually solve your Rubik's Ain't no Cubes? river wide enough. By solving it? I would be very impressed if you solved it. I don't know how to solve Rubik's Cubes. I remember I could do like the first, I think, three moves that you're supposed to do. Because it's all kind of... Not rehearsed, but like there's a there's a pattern. Yeah, there's an order of moves that you do. What if you went to a job interview and they told you to solve a Rubik's Cube? Would you leave? I would get up and leave. I'd probably leave too. I can't hear what you're saying, Greg. I would leave. Can you just like fix my volume? Oh, look at that. It's still quiet though. But you can still hear. No, it's fine. That that part of it's fine, but what you need to hear is when you... Angle down. Just make sure whenever you talk, you speak into the microphone. That's all. What if What if I don't want to be heard? Well, you know, I can, I, I can, you know, put in some sound effects or. Stuff. Can you just like do like a high pass filter that turns off and low pass that turns off my whole voice? That's called a band pass filter. Can you make one of those happen so that no one can hear me? There's also a thing called the mute button. Where's that? Uh, it's it's right here. You have the computer. Do you, do you want me to mute you? Why would you want me to do that though? All the people are here to hear you, Craig. All the people are here to listen. They're to your here voice. to hear you. They're not here to hear me. Well, then what are we doing this for? We like talking to each other. Yeah, but I'm tired. Well, that should make it for a good episode then. I'm very excited. 